The following audio is via a Skype call. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy weekend, everyone. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. We are joined today, as we are every Saturday, by the tall guy, Nathan Miller. Nathan, how are you today, sir? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. I'm doing great. How about yourselves? We're doing okay. We're, we're waiting to see what happens with the double hurricanes coming into the Gulf of Mexico. They said the last time two hurricanes arrived within 24 hours of each other was in 1933. But enough about the national conventions. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like they're doing a little bit of research on what's going to happen with the two hurricanes coming in, right? Because it was just so long ago since the last time it happened. Right, right. They sent the airplanes in to look at them. They're they're not very well organized. However, once they get into the Gulf waters, which are hugely warm, they're in the 80s, uh, it's going to fuel them up, and then uh, then we'll see what happens from there. Right now, and we're, we've been following it for a couple of days, um, it looks as though since the hurricane went to the south of Puerto Rico rather than to the north of Puerto Rico, that it's heading more toward New Orleans than Florida. So poor people of New Orleans, they do not need another hurricane. But right now, that's where it looks like one of them is going. And, of course, he just had hurricane. I always have trouble pronouncing it. Isaiah, I think is how yep. it's pronounced. Uh, Isaias. Even though it looks like Isaiah. Oh, Isaias. Right. Okay. Isaias, yeah. And yeah, that, that was, one, a, was a weird one. That was on the east side, but you're on the west side, and it sounds like this next time around, it's going to be a bit closer to you with the two hurricanes. Yes, it will. Uh, closer, it, a lot of rain. It, it's trending west. There's so we may dodge that bullet as Sarasota often does. Suzanne told me years ago not to belabor this point, but she said that we're kind of tucked in to Sarasota Bay, and it makes it more difficult for a hurricane to land a direct hit on Sarasota well, because it has to kind of it has to back its way in. Right, because <laughs> it's it's heading west, and and so in order to hit uh, this area. It has to uh, go west, stall, and then go east. And so that's why we we don't get hurricanes that often. No. Irma almost got us Yeah, there. But here we are on the air, always happy to talk to our wonderful listeners around Puget Sound and elsewhere, of course. But we love our home folks. Yes. Our homeboys and homegirls here from our distant redoubt in Florida, but always with Seattle and environs in mind. That's true. Spiritual homeland it is. Mm-hmm. And one of our friends from that spiritual homeland is a dear lady by the name of Mary Lee LeBay. Her name is known far and wide, but the intensity of her influence among those who study reincarnation and who practice past life therapy as an allied science is subject of renown and not without controversy as well let's be honest because reincarnation itself is controversial she has a lot to say about that subject particularly from her the standpoint of her professional practice Suzanne, let's get Mary Lee on here. I've got some mad props. If you don't mind, I'll go ahead and read them. Why don't you do that? And then we'll start a conversation here. This is going to be fun. Okay. Mary Lee LeBay, PhD, is a personal and spiritual coach, author of 10 books, 
an instructor of hypnotherapy and past life regression. She has a long and sustained background in spirituality, beginning in 1967 with astrology and tarot. I, I could just hear the fifth dimension singing right now. This is, this is a Aquarius stuff coming up here. Great. It's continued over the years with Celtic shamanic studies, altered states therapies, and past life regression, of course, evolving her career into offering various methods for achieving greater self-awareness and spiritual connection, leveraging the wisdom of the subconscious mind along with principles of new physics, revolutionary mindset strategies, astrology, and over 30 years of experience. She has helped thousands of clients and students achieve self-awareness, past life recall, improved health, spiritual connection, and purposeful life directions. All that in a small package. Mary Lee LeBay, PhD, welcome to the show once again. Hey, how are you guys doing? It's so great to be back. I love the idea of whenever I look into your, your uh, luscious mane of hair and, and your just absolutely azure eyes, and I made sure I found the right picture for putting out the social media this morning in regards, I think of you as someone who would have been an absolutely prototypical flower power child of the 1960s. Am I right? You are right, and I am Aquarius. <laughs> ah, see? You know, more, <laughs> it more than half my family's Aquarius, so I, yeah. I like Aquarians. Avant-garde thinkers. Yes, yes. Awesome, you know, wonderful. Mary Lee, yeah. speaking of Aquarius, when Gary was reading about how you started with astrology and tarot and then just kind of built the toolbox from there, what what is your feeling now when you look at astrological uh, charts about the age of Aquarius that we are either entering or in? What is your feeling about that? Um, well, I mean, I, of course, am excited to usher that in. Aquarians are known for rational thinking, scientific inventions, as well as humanitarian um, interests. So hopefully it's a good sign. You know, it's a good, it'll be a good era to move into. I think right now we're struggling because we've had Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter all conjunct, and they've been just kind of hanging out with Uranus squaring every so often. And I mean, there's, I don't want to go into too much detail on that today, but, um, you know, you can see the, the Plutonian kind of uh, power struggles, global galactic power struggles happening out there. And Jupiter just intensifies things. And um, Saturn tries to find some new order in, in the midst of all of it. So it's been trying times, and it'll that influence in the, in the astrology charts right now, or just out in the sky itself, the transits will be around till after the first of the year. So um, I think we just have to fasten the seatbelt and keep moving through it. We but have heard get off on that topic. <laughs> no, no, no. We we we've kind of heard, you know, similarly that when you go into these uh, different um, times, that because we're talking about millennia and many many years, that it's not a light switch. Like okay, like on on December 31, we're in one thing, and January 1, we're in another. It's kind of a, a slow progression to getting into it fully, and it seems like. 
you have to release and let go of the old before you can really grasp onto the new. And so I'm right. um, just wondering where, where you're at with all of that. And it sounds like you're, you're thinking that we, we have a lot of old stuff that we still need to let go of. Right. Pluto is the uh, planet of transformation, and it's just been kind of kicking our butts here for a while um, with this configuration. And, um, you know, it, it, yeah. But the, the, those outer planets are what we call generational. So, you know, planets like Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto, Uranus, people of a whole generation have those pretty tightly close together or, or similar to each other. So, um, you know, the children of the 60s had a lot of those configurations that were similar. And then the 70s and the 80s, and, you know, here we are now, uh, people born in these times will have this configuration, you know, innate in their birth chart. But, you know, I also have the philosophy that the birth chart is just a map. It's not the journey, particularly. I mean, we, we feel these gravitational pulls on us, and we have these influences, which I map for every one of my clients. We look at this even though we're doing other work like past lives and hypnotherapy, I look at the chart because there is an influence and there is a characteristic and a flavor to each of the charts, but it is a map and the map is not the journey, as I said. So, you know, if you're going on vacation, you're not staring at the map the whole time. It might be a guide for you uh, to kind of navigate. Here's where the potholes are. Here are the dead ends here are the, you know, super highways and, you know, this is going to be a more rustic path to get there. Um, so, you know, you can kind of take a look at that, but it's, you know, it might be um, guiding us to what we need to overcome. And so people of our age, Suzanne and Gary and myself, um, we have overcome, you know, we've had decades of working on the things that were in our original roadmap and uh, being able to deal with, you know, certain challenges, hopefully better. Um, at least we might know a little bit about what those challenges are, the characteristic and personality that we would have come in with. But because of my past life background and all the, you know, all of the studies that I've had over the decades on that, I also know that we come in with character and personality and traumas and talents from other lifetimes that are layered over that chart as well. And so there's a whole combination. Plus, then you have your family of origin in this lifetime and, and your culture and your traditions and experiences that are happening that are going to be influencing you as a person. So this is just one of the many um, uh, you know, lights that are shown, you know, that show us about ourselves, but it's not the whole picture. When you started out at using astrology, learning astrology, which is a lifetime of learning unto itself, and tarot, what what was it that occurred or what was the influence or the impetus for your getting into hypnotherapy? How did that come about originally? Oh, how, how did hypnotherapy evolve out of all of that? Out of uh, your interest in it, 
when when yeah. you were doing other things and you said I'm a, I think I'm going to add this to my toolbox what was it that that hooked you into the idea of of using hypnotherapy for people to better understand themselves um well it, i mean it, there was a slow progression of that but um i had all these interests and then I did open up a metaphysical bookstore in the 80s for a few years. Um, unfortunately, it was in the Bible Belt, and <laughs> we had a little bit of uh, pushback, so it didn't last for long. But um, during that time, I was um, exposed to a lot more things. I had already started doing my own, you know, experiencing past lives, having them done on me. And I was very, very fascinated. It was a kind of a lifelong fascination with who was I in another lifetime that all of a sudden came to fruition that I could actually experience it and have those memories of myself and those experiences. And so um, I started, I learned how to perform past lives on other people and because I had a store and I was also sponsoring psychic fairs and having all these events, people were asking me to do the past lives uh, on them. And so I was doing them and it was really at that point more of a sightseeing tour. You know, who were you? So you go back into those memories and you said, you know, I'm a man or a woman and I'm doing these things. I'm either married or not, or I have these careers. And we were just taking a look at what these past lives had uh, in store for us. And so um, then a few years later, I started really understanding the value of hypnotherapy and the concept that actually what I was doing in guiding people through past lives was a form of hypnotherapy. When we do guided imagery, when we do those you know, guided meditations, it's really a form of hypnotherapy. So, um, uh, you know, I had heard a lot of different friends talking about it. So I thought, you know, I'll just go get that education and, you know, have it more formalized so I know a little bit more about what I'm doing. And when I learned, when I got that education, um, it just kind of blew open another door into my career and um, I started working with it in the way that I was trained, but over time I've evolved that considerably. But I think what the major impact of what I have brought to the industry, both of hypnotherapy and past life regression, those two industries, um, is how I combine them. So now you can use hypnotherapy even more formally in getting a person into a past life but I can also apply all the healing techniques within that past life regression. So we are actually going, you know, back maybe to the 500s or the 800s or, you know, BC 300, whatever, and actually doing the healing there, mitigating the results of traumas that we've had or misconceptions and perceptions that we gain through our experiences in other lifetimes and actually kind of uh, smoothing it over, healing it, and uh, yeah, smoothing it over, healing it, making it better um, 
in those past lives. So now they are not affecting us negatively. So I, I don't know. I guess that answers your question. Um, yeah, that, and a good answer it was. You know, there's so much to consider. I want to get into the metaphysical weeds with you here, Mary Lee. It's, it's uh -huh. time for me to serve up this hour's hard-hitting question. There, I don't hit too hard, actually. But it's something to consider. I, I kind of search my mind about this on a regular basis. Uh -huh. I have... I have friends, I have loved ones, I have people that I don't like very much and who don't like me, which creates a lot of emotional drama and trauma. And when these people pass away, most often, though not always, a notable exception being Suzanne's mother, man, did she go, I think she's 80 years old, and she was in a uh, assisted care facility because she had dementia in a serious way. And she went to bed one night after dinner saying she was going to lie down. And she went and did exactly that. And she took the big nap. An hour later, they went in, checked on her, and she was peacefully gone. No signs of what trauma. What a great way to go. Beautiful. And I said, man, I'll take that. Yeah. Absolutely exactly. true. But most often, Mary Lee, it doesn't go that way. People suffer sometimes untold pain, physical pain. They have to make preparations. They have to say their goodbyes. They have to go through this wrenching time where their soul is getting ready to separate from their body, which in most, I, don't, I shouldn't say most, but quite often, is racked with pain. And then they go to the spirit world, if you believe as we do, in that dimension, in the eternal dimension of life. So here's my question to you, Mary Lee, from the standpoint of your 30 plus years of experience and all that study, mm -hmm. what have you learned about the will to life on this earth plane from souls that have been through so much, so much struggle, so much pain, so much uncertainty, so much insecurity, lifetime after lifetime with all of the drama and trauma? What is it that keeps us wanting or at least feeling like we must come back and do it all again i know <laughs> there's a lot of hope in our hearts right <laughs> um it, well first of all we have to come back so uh in order to maintain our consciousness so okay so without a body at all if we're just out there we are the energy field. We have a mental body, an emotional body, energetic body. We have all these bodies, but we're just that. We're just a ball of energy, right, with consciousness. And after a while, you're just, you're just moving around in this, you know, amorphous kind of place. There's nothing physical. Um, and when you connect with other people or you're, you're out there. It's not like everybody's standing around in a in a body. You you have to use your extrasensory perceptions, and a lot of people are just really not good at that. If you're not good at it here, you're not going to be suddenly good at it out there. Um, you may have some better talent about doing it, but it's very hard to hear and see and discern and figure out what's what and what's up and down and just everything. So first of all, a lot of people try to just reincarnate right away because they don't understand the experience of being without a body. 
and without um, physical eyes and ears and sensory perception. And so it's frightening and it's disorienting to a lot of people. So they will just jump into an available baby uh, or a body. Um, But let's just say there's a little more consciousness or a little more awareness and sensory uh, awareness out there. We need it. If If you think about maybe a memory you had as a very small child, maybe you the easy one is maybe you ate something, you know, your mother made you something or, uh, you know, a grandmother made you something and you never had it again. Um, Over time, you can think, oh, I had that thing that I really, really loved. But over time, you lose the memory of what it really was, you know, the real taste of it. And you kind of crave the experience again, perhaps, Um, You know, imagine if you never um, saw a sunrise ever again, ever again, for like eternity. You're just floating out there. You never see sunrise. You never get to really make love with your soulmate, like on a physical sensory ability. You you know, you lose all of these things. Um, People, you want to come back. You you know, I want to come back and I want to do that again. Or what would be a higher calling for returning is really understanding your purpose. If you are on a mission to, to create, you know, to accomplish a purpose that you're aware of, then, you know, when you're out there, we're, we're working with our soul family. So our soul family may have an even unspoken um, group purpose that we're trying to accomplish moving forward that'll help the planet, the universe, or ourselves, or the evolution of our own consciousness. And so when you're out there between lives, you may be called to want to continue to further your own purpose, or you may be called to want to help your soul group to achieve the the greater purpose that you're all moving towards in the same way as, um, you know, people volunteering or uh, doing things for your family, like, oh, I want to help my kids go to school, or I want to help my uncle build his barn, or whatever. You want to pitch in. You want to help other people. You want to, you know, uh, have a mutual goal that you're working towards. And so people come back. They reincarnate. They want to be with that loved one again. Uh, all sorts of reasons why we come back. But the bottom line is we need it in order to maintain our consciousness. And without our consciousness, without the maintenance of all those memories, we're, we will eventually just fade out and evaporate. I'm gonna, I have a couple yeah. of questions, Mary Lee. And, and the first is, does everybody really have a purpose? Does everyone have it and some people just not know it? Or are there people that don't really have a purpose who incarnate here? Everybody would have a purpose and the majority of people don't know what it is. Ah. It's a a complicated thing. I would say, you know, we'd be lucky on this planet to have a few percentage of people that really know what their purpose is. Well, that leads me to my second question. Yeah. Is it possible that, and as we would judge it, being you know here sitting in our self righteousness, 
Are there people who would incarnate for a negative purpose? Their purpose is to do something uh, negative in the world the way we would see it. Yes. You know, lie, cheat, steal, greedy, you know, murderous, you know, all of that. Could that be somebody's purpose? It's not their purpose, but they take it on as their mission. That would not be their purpose. Well, it could be their purpose. There are um, there are souls that it's sort of the difference. How we see it is there are souls that well, for instance, in the physical, there are people who take apart a watch because they want you know they want to just see it uh, dismantled. They want to see it in pieces. And there are other people that take apart a watch so that they can learn how to build it back together again. Right? So there are people Oh, I like who that. Would, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just a different orientation. It, you know, some people want to see, um, you know, like do experiments well, on right. human bodies so that they can learn by, you know, dismembering the body and taking it apart, right? And other people want to learn about the human body by trying to heal it back together and fix it. I can remember as a a school child having a conversation about the difference between destruction and construction. And I was a pretty small child to be having this philosophical discussion. But I was thinking, and I I think it was a, a matter of either being aware or seeing on TV or something where like um, there was an explosion. And so whatever it was, it wasn't people, it was probably a building, but something was being blown up. And and I was looking at the this building being blown up and I thought about the fact that people had actually put that together, you know, brick by brick and and mortar and doors and windows and and so I was I was juxtaposing the idea of destruction versus construction and and I and in in my young mind I said construction is good and destruction is bad and and this was very young young way of thinking but then you know at a different level at, at you know after some decades of of really looking at it I realized that sometimes things need to be either, you know, destroyed in order to be constructed or reconstructed again in a better way. Maybe what was getting destroyed needed to be destroyed in order to construct something that might be um, more suitable, better at that time. So I don't have the same kind of feeling that I used to have where building is good and destroying is bad. So then, you know, that kind of leads me to, you know, is it is it good for people to be negative and destructive when they come here? Is that a valid purpose? Uh, it depends on your perspective of whether things need to be destroyed or or built and what is the purpose of the destruction. If you're taking down a rotten building that is dangerous or an eyesore, and you're going to replace it with a beautiful functioning building, then of course it needs to be brought down. If you're taking good things and destroying them, 
you know, and maybe you feel that your purpose in doing that is valid, but, you know, there, there would just have to be a, a deeper discussion and, you know, and uh, looking at the fallout, you don't, you don't tear down that building to rebuild another one by destroying the whole city and then building one little building back up, right? You, it's, it's, it's got to be thoughtful. You have to see what the fallout, um, what we call spurious emo- emissions, spurious emissions, like all this random stuff that comes out of it in order to build this one building. So um, it, it depends. Some people would celebrate that and say it's okay, but that's because they like the destruction more than the construction. Where um, you know, so. But there are well, they, yes, they could no, come in with that mission. Yeah. There are very right. evil beings out there, demons and things that think that that this world needs to be destroyed, and they are, you know, they are influencing. Um, even good people, they're influencing, and you know. And and so. you kind of anticipated where I I was kind of headed with that because when you're looking at multiple lives, there's a couple different ways to look at it, and one way would be in one life I was a person who tore things down. In this life, I think I'll be a person who builds things up so I can have the experience of both things being a builder and being a destroyer. Another way to look at it is many, many lifetimes of destruction so that you're actually getting better at it. So when you're, when you're taking people into past lives, I'm curious as to whether you're seeing that negativity play out over many lifetimes or if somebody is just looking to have a different experience from what they had before. Does that question make sense? Yeah, um, I think so. Um, So the sampling that I get for doing past life regression would not be um, a universal, like it's not a good research project because people are paying me to come in here for self-discovery and evolution. And so they are typical, typically people who want to heal themselves and get better and be better people, right? And so they're, you know, the people who would be um, more likely to be destructive and just want to tear things down are probably not people who are investing in fixing themselves. Right, because they are. Yes. They, they, so, so people yeah. I'm taking into regressions would would have a lifetime where maybe they did do that, but then they would look at that as a mistake or a mistaken perception, or you know some other reason. Like for instance, I've I did a regression with a woman who was very religious and very sweet and very empathic, and she went to a lifetime where she was a doctor in the Nazi regime. And she, you know, and she was just horrified by the things that she was doing, but she was, um, but she was constricted, or conscripted to do that. She was commanded, and she knew she would lose her life if she didn't perform her duties. Um, and, and even in that, she was willing to take her own life and leave, you know, get out of there. 
um, to avoid it. But her nurse, and she was a man in that lifetime, but her nurse had said, please don't go because you're trying, you know, you're obeying the commands, but you're doing it in the most humane way possible, you know, and it's for the furtherance of medicine and science and all of this. So she stuck around and did it. But, you know, this is a good person who in her heart would have been a constructive person, but doing destructive deeds out of force and uh, maybe, you know, with the idea that somebody else will replace me if I go and they will be worse. And so, um, and so we'll have lifetimes like that. Um, I remember a lifetime where I was a bishop in the Catholic Church and I was part of the Inquisition, which, you know, the Inquisition for me, you know, for decades now has been like the thing that I just have hated about, you know, about history. It's just like, how could they do that? And then I had to face a lifetime where I did participate in that, but I had been so indoctrinated by the church to begin with. And my own feeling at the time, I thought I was being true to furthering a better society. So I was still being faithful to what I saw my purpose as, um, but yet my behaviors were wrong. I mean, I look at it now and I can judge it very harshly, um, but I do have to have empathy for myself for that lifetime just because of the conditioning and the the uh, indoctrination uh, and my own belief in uh, thinking that it, I was doing something better. But we have to look at those parts of us and, you know, because most of my other lifetimes I was doing, you know, I was on the other side of that um, and trying to be a lot more constructive or, you know, teaching, being a druid, uh, being a, you know, somebody, a manifester of whatever kind. But uh, but yeah, we will have those lifetimes where we're destructive. I, I did a regression with a woman years ago, again, a very spiritual person, and then she came in, and her first past life regression she ever did, she realized that she was a serial killer, and she was horrified, horrified at at, at her behavior, you know, because when you're in the past life, you're going through there. She goes, I'm in the alley and I'm stalking women and I'm, you know, all this stuff. And so, um, so what we looked at was what was her childhood? What was it that developed her to end up having those behaviors? And so then it was revealed how these kinds of characters actually um, come to be. So in her own soul nature, she would not have done that, but because of a very horrifying childhood, um, she was sort of, you know, um, you know, kind of created, those behaviors were created in her. But the idea that now she's spiritual and positive and constructive showed, you know, that was her true direction when given freedom to make those kinds of choices. Mary Lee LeBay is our guest. Wow, do we get into the subject matter with her whenever she's You said she weeds. Us. Got into the weeds. <laughs> and we, we are, too. <laughs> I have to pull out my machete momentarily here because we're going to take our one and only break of the hour. 
And when we come back, some of this will continue, no doubt. But I also would like to talk to Mary Lee after giving her a chance to tell all of you what's coming up, because Mary Lee is always in preparatory mode. Something's always coming down the tracks when we talk to Mary Lee LeBay. And your opportunity to learn from her directly will be announced shortly. And then we'll discuss the professionalization of this kind of therapy. That's an important topic, and I'd love to get to that on the other side of this short break. Stick with us. We are Manson Mitchell, and you are tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. son Levi was so proud to turn three, but he will never get the chance to turn four. I'm Nicole Hughes, Levi's mom, and while on a family vacation, his childhood was snatched away when I turned to close a bag of chips. He was sitting on the couch surrounded by friends, and I split a brownie with him, and then somehow he slipped out the back door unnoticed down a flight of stairs and fell into the pool. When I jumped in to grab my son, the other half of the brownie was still in my mouth. I never thought my child would drown, but I was wrong. Drowning is the single leading cause of death for children ages one to four. It is silent and fast, and it can happen even when you aren't swimming. Drowning is preventable. Please talk with your pediatrician about how you can keep your child safe. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. Uh, We are talking with Mary Lee LeBay and having a a conversation about hypnotherapy, past life regression, 
and all those things that we find so very, very interesting. Mary Lee, if people want to connect with you, you've got some things going on that maybe some of our Puget Sound listeners would like to get involved with. And also just, you know, how can they connect with you? What is your website and anything else you'd like to share? Okay, thank you. Well, um, I do have a train. Well, I have trainings um, ongoing, so they're on teachable.com now. So uh, I have a, a full 120-hour certification training that incorporates a lot of uh, healing techniques using hypnotherapy, NLP, uh, different techniques there, and then the full entire past life regression course. They're combined as one course, and they come together with seven, like 21 hours of live training over Zoom. So people all around the world can participate. Right now I have people from South Africa, Bahamas, UK, um, United States, different places that are participating. So they can, uh, you can go to teachable.com, look for the Mary Lee LeBay School, and, um, or go on my website and, and access it through there, which is maryleelebay.com, and check it out because uh, the people that are taking the course right now are coaches, alternative health practitioners, massage therapists, naturopaths. Um, a lot of those professions like massage therapy, they were out of work for months. And so a lot of them uh, decided to incorporate hypnotherapy. Uh, so the course gives you techniques that will enhance your present healing or coaching profession and really make you an outstanding practitioner or it also provides you with all the education you need to start your own private practice. So the live calls, there's a group of live calls that start September 15th, another group of live calls that start on October 13th. So it's kind of rolling um, with the live calls, but you can sign up anytime. But if you want to talk with me personally to uh, talk about private sessions or the training, you can, um, I, you know, I think verbally, I think it's easiest if I just say text me at 425-562-7277. And uh, that's 425-562-7277. And we'll set up a phone call uh, and, and discuss this. I give a 30-minute free phone call. And it's a little easier than trying to verbalize everything here on the radio. Good. Thank you. <clears throat> Excellent, Mary Lee. I wanted to get into the, the realm of professional activity that incorporates past life regression and indeed past life therapy. I'm aware that there is a discipline within psychotherapeutics called transpersonal psychology. The rational empirical practitioners of various therapies consider that to be rank hogwash. They don't think it has any validity. It certainly does not have reliability in their minds. And so they tend to beat up on it <laughs> and, and regard the practitioners of transpersonal psychology as risking leading people astray and not really helping them. Mm -hmm. Then there are those 
who incorporate past life therapy into their practice as a psychotherapist, as a hypnotherapist. And what I would like to know, based on what you have observed and experienced, Mary Lee, is, is that really becoming more mainstream or does it remain hotly controversial? Um, I think it's controversial and becoming more popular. I think people are becoming more and more curious. The more they talk to people that have the memories, uh, maybe they, they want to experience it too. In reality, as humans, we really should be able to remember our past lives without even hypnosis. We should be able to just meet somebody and remember all the lifetimes or many of the lifetimes that we've had connections and relationships or go to a city or a place, see artifacts and recall things just automatically. And in some sessions, I have massage therapists and uh, psychotherapists and even business coaches who say that their clients will go into spontaneous past life regression in their session when they're looking for the root causes of problems or dealing with blocks to their future. And so they come to me for training because they say, you know, here my clients are going into these past life memories and accessing these events and situations and you know, I need more help in being able to deal with it when it happens. I also had a, a psychiatrist who was um, a PhD from Harvard attend my class back when I was teaching it at Bastyr University. And at the end of the training, she came up to me and she said, this was phenomenal and I'm going to stop my clinical practice and only use hypnotherapy and past life regression moving forward because I see it as uh, more expedient to getting results than what I've been classically trained to do. So I was, I was floored myself. <laughs> my jaw dropped, you know, I was very flattered by that. But it's, it's um, becoming well known that there's amazing results that we're getting. But your question was about the transpersonal part and you know, people who don't believe in it and don't want to participate, God bless them. They, they get to be interested in other things. That's fine. But for those people who do want a solid experience and they want to be able to access that, it needs to be available. And my goal in, in training other people is to give them the best training with the latest latest knowledge and technology and and concepts that support that so that they can do their best job for their clients. And that's the ethical commitment, do the best job for your clients. I've met my share of, of rational professionals in any number of fields. They do quite well for themselves. I give them a ton of credit. In fact, there are times when I seek to imitate their example because I find that when I am at my rational best, I don't go to my emotional worst. <laughs> and that's right. pretty useful, you know, especially in times of conflict. It's good to be able to keep a cool, rational mind. By the same token, I also see the value of an active, creative imagination. If I allow myself to simply relax, I might go into the bedroom, lay down with or without music, and I begin to just play with a concept, give, give an idea, some, 
equal time. It's one thing to be rational, but if you're creatively imaginative and you allow yourself to imagine the possibilities, for some reason that I have never been able to explain to myself or others, I find that that which I focus my attention on with just enough emotion to validate the idea, to embrace it and welcome it in my life, it has the effect of creating a reality that corresponds to what I was imagining a short time earlier. It sets up this whole correlation without my being able to prove that it's a cause and effect relationship, but I sure love those correlations because good things happen when I imagine them shortly thereafter in many cases, and I am free to speculate as to how that happened. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree. It's just, you know, the old topic of left brain, right brain, and we're geared and trained to stay in that left brain analytical, you know, numbers, logic place, which I'm all for. As an Aquarius, I'm all about logic and objectivity and all of that. But without the right brain imagination, we would not have art. We would not have inventions. Uh, we would not have, you know, uh, a connection to um, the, well, the arts or spirituality. And it's just a disservice to let that side of our personality, character, mental faculty just shrivel up and dry up um, at the, you know, by focusing just on the physical plane and and the logical side, analytical side of our character. That imaginative part is um, just, it's super valuable. It is. I've found it to be many times in life. When I yeah. I, I did a, um, a past life regression using your CD one time, right. Right. And, um, and it was so vivid and so clear to me, and I did say to myself, you know, am I just making this up or is it a past life? And I don't, I'm not sure that it makes a difference, <clears throat> but it, it felt real. It felt lucid. It felt like I was really there and I could see those people and I could see the life that I was leading. So, yes. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, you have to decide, you know, for yourself that you're either just making it up or it actually did happen. And I, and I don't know that it makes a difference. It's like, it's like, um, the, you know, the difference between people who imagine a good golf game and then those who go out and actually do the good golf game. I think you can, in your imagination, achieve something without without the the um, the the physically doing it and and the, the body doesn't know the difference the mind doesn't know the difference between what you're imagining and then what you're you're doing in in the third dimension so mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I saw some real value in that and you know I was curious because I called up a particular existence a particular experience a particular life when people come to you to do a past life regression, do are they surprised by what they get? Or or does it just confirm something for them in this lifetime? 
Oftentimes it's a surprise, and I think that's a good thing because then we know that they're not consciously just making up a story. It's, it's some kind of information that is coming to them, uh, you know, from deeper inside. It, so oftentimes it is really surprising, but there's typically a correlation between who they are as a character now or some type of event that they're going through at this time and what is happening in that other lifetime. And I think it's because our, our consciousness, our subconscious mind, as you know, let's say, let's say you're going through a divorce now and there's this strife between relationships and all of this and there's a lot of stress and then you go into a past life and then you see a relationship you had with that person back there because it's front and center here the subconscious mind is connecting more or kind of lighting up the connections between uh, other correlating lifetime events and so then they go to that lifetime and they see who they were in that lifetime and how they interacted with those people there and it may reveal a lot about the type of relationship that they've had in other lifetimes uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, so you'll see the correlations between what's happening there and what's happening here. Yes, and that that's sense. what, and yes, and that's what Gary was talking about with regard to, um, you know, correlations. It, that, right, it's correlation exactly does not. Thing. It does it not entail a cause and effect relationship, right, right. at least in a way that can be proven. But where you see the correlation, you want to investigate further. You speculate mm -hmm. about how all of this happened. Was there a causal link? That's part of the mystique of science, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We have just under a minute, my friend. Mary Lee, once again, tell people what they're going to get when they come to see you up close and personal and have a chance to avail themselves of all of your learning. Well, for private sessions, I always do their astrology chart just to kind of get that map that we talked about at the very beginning. And then we do hypnosis and past lives, whatever it is that they need to or that they wish to accomplish whatever their goals are. I have all the techniques and tools to help them achieve that. And if you want to get on a phone call, it's 425-562-7277. I don't typically answer my phone because there's just too many random calls, but text me first and we'll set up a call and, to talk about what you want to do. If you want to go into the courses, and learn how to incorporate this into your life, into your career and purpose. If you're passionate about coaching and healing, we can talk about that, um, and I can direct you to where you can go to learn or to learn more about what the course involves and what you're going to get from it. Thank Perfect. you for Thank being Thank you, Mary with Lee us. LeBay. Great to have you with us again, and we'll do another one sometime soon. Always great to be with you, Gary and Suzanne. So thank you very much. Okay. Our pleasure. Coming up next, Jupiter Rising. Have a great weekend, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.